Hello and welcome to the Yellow Soul Podcast. I'm so glad that you're here with me and my two amazing, brilliant pals I feature in this episode. They're back again. They were on my first episode, Annie and Elizabeth. And today we unwrap what does it actually look like to confront what makes us scared? Ugh, not an easy topic. We really do our best to apply practical application through moments that we've experienced individually and how we, how we showed up and experienced God speaking to us in those moments and carrying that momentum throughout our day and just our everyday life. And so we really hope that you gain insight, clarity, and absolute joy along the way. So today, press pause. Let this be some time that you show up for yourself in soul care and self-care. And we have so much to share with you. So let's get to it. Hi. So I have Annie and Elizabeth, my pals, on with me today. I'm so excited. And you guys are in Washington. Elizabeth lives there. And Annie is, what do you call it, snowbirding? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Temporarily away from Arizona because of the heat. But you're, you're returning soon, right? Yes. Heading we back. miss our home. Um, we enjoy it. We love it here. This was our home for 30 years you know, we're just ready to get back into establish our routine and our place and our dogs and our kids, but it's been so much fun visiting, um, everyone and kind of going back to, it's different. Like when you go away into the wilderness, like this is what I've realized is my husband and the kids and I, we went away into the wilderness and we created such a different bond than we ever had before we left. Cause I think here we were kind of an individual lane, still trying to navigate like the bonding of one Jesse and I as one. And then when we went away, it was like, we have united in um, such a natural way with God, because we were away from all the things that pulled at us, who our identity was like, when, you know, when you grow up kind of molded and then we went away from that mold and then we come back and it's kind of like looking at things and seeing it and feeling the emotion we did when we were here almost out of the body, like seeing that emotion and being like, Oh, like there's some unhealthy, like feeling there that we bonded to in that way. Or it's just been really cool to go away and come back in a more mature uh, setting. I'm sure it feels like looking through a totally different lens because of who you are today as a married couple and then raising your family and your children and new connections and relationships and ministry and just everything that you have your hands into. Yeah. Really fascinating. And so, um, Elizabeth, you live in Washington and both of you homeschool your children, right? So are your school years beginning around the same time? Ours is now almost it's, um, beginning of August and we end in May. Um, I just keep going. (laughs) You're doing like year round schooling with him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it works better for me to just spread it out. So yeah, we haven't stopped. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And some some kids enjoy that engagement year round. You know, there's some kids that just, they really do love school. I mean, I don't really understand that because that wasn't me as a kid. I was like, summer party. I don't want to do school, but I get it. I mean, I, I do understand that. That's great. All of your children being raised by two amazing warriors. I'm just excited to be here with both of you and chat. And Elizabeth, I'm going to hit on something that you and I 
touched on last week you shared with me and I want you to dive into that with us. Yes. Okay. So, um, in 2019, I'll bring it back just a bit. I got, I went through a really hard pruning year, but one thing that I did have was I was able to bring this horse home and she was super jumpy and had trust issues. And, um, but I only had one horse, so I had lots of time to deal with that. And one way that God just really revealed his heart for me and for us was through me spending time with that horse. Like there were so many parallels and analogies. Um, just like the more I rode, the more sensitive she was to my nudges. So the more time spent, the more sensitive we are with the Lord. And, you know, he always gives us a word first, all of those things before there's a consequence, but either way, there's a consequence, good or bad, you know, and all the horse wants is peace. And all we um, really want is that shalom peace, which we were originally designed for in the garden in communion with him. And so I had a friend out to ride horses and like, I live on my grandpa's um, horse ranch in Washington and it's beautiful and very like garden-esque mm -hmm. if that's a word. Um, but there's all these little beautiful spots like this huge um, pond, like small lake and you walk around and you see the beautiful mountains and like eagles all around and blue herons and um, we have trails. And so I love to be able to bring people out here to experience some of those things because it feels like a little vacation, even though it's 15 minutes away from town. And it's something that I was blessed to grow up with. I had my friend out and I'm thinking I'm going to give her this beautiful, <laughs> sacred, relaxing experience. <laughs> and, and she's like not an experienced writer. She's written a couple times. And so I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to put it, put her on the oldest horse that like can't even really trot like they're just gonna walk and so she's doing good I, I show her the basics she's fine and then I get on my horse and I'm like well I'm gonna ride with her so I'm riding my horse around and then I notice this old horse Tucker the one she's riding we're out in the outdoor sand arena he starts dropping his head a bit and so I'm about to be like calmly like okay I'm about to say, when he drops his head, just lift up your hands, squeeze him with your legs because sometimes they try to roll. But as soon as like I opened my mouth, he just like laid down. And I'm thinking, so you always like, you can provide these great experiences, but in your mind, you have to know like, okay, if this happens, then this happens and this could happen. And you have to, and the gate's open. And <laughs> I, so I was like, okay, get your feet out of the stirrups because if the horse stood up and her feet yeah. was in the top off, she could have gotten drugged. And so I'm like, kind of freaking out. Like my calm is gone. I'm like, get your beat out of the stirrups. <laughs> <laughs> like, why did this horse just lay down? Did it die? You know, like I I'm thinking the gates open, the horses are going to run out or the poor horse is going to run out. So I jump off to try to help her and grab her horse so that nothing goes wrong. And my horse comes from a little harder of a, a hand. Um, so she's kind of probably used to, if we're trotting along and I jump off, it's because I'm really mad. And I've never shown her that, but she has triggers from, from her past where she might've gotten a whooping in that case. And, um, and so I haven't had to work through that because I've never had to jump off really while she's moving. Mm -hmm. So I jump off so I can help my friend and my horse freaks out and just starts backing up and so my hands through the reins and I'm having to like I'm kind of getting drugged by her because she's like oh like backing up really really fast Jenny's like wow wow and, <laughs> and I'm like this is not how I planned and then and everything's fine the horse just stands up 
she's fine. She's off of it. My horse stopped. And I'm more now pissed off that my horse reacted and I wasn't able to be there to help my friend. And so I closed the gate and I'm like, sorry, Jenny, one moment, please. And I, <laughs> and I, um, I'm like, I need to deal with something. I like get on my horse, make her lope off and have one leg on in the stirrup and one leg half, like I'm half off, like half dismounted. And so my foot is just smacking her in the, you know, it's, it's kind of just hitting her on the bum and I'm like, nothing bad's happening to you. Like, and then I was like, okay, like now, you know, that that's not bad. I'm going to jump off while you're running and you're going to stand there and I'm going to pet you and we're going to deal with this. Like we are going to confront your fear. And so that you can trust me and that anytime I need to jump off, you will not back up and keep me from helping my friend who needs me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was the aggression, like Jenny Layton's seen it. My son's seen it. And he's like, Whoa, like there is a place. The only place I confront things with that ambition, intensity and aggression in a small amount of time is on the back of my horse. Like I'm like, Oh no, no. But it's like, I wasn't hurting her. I was like, just very driven. Um, and so, and then she was good after that, but Jenny was like kind of taken back by how, how I was. And I was like, sorry, I hope that didn't scare you. Um, I just needed to take care of that. And, um, and my horse was good. She's good with me jumping off. She'll stand there now. It's something I'm going to continue to have to practice to wrap it up was the Lord spoke to me through that. If we don't have that kind of aggression and that potency in confronting the things that make us feel really scared because of past wounds and finding the truth, it prohibits us and inhibits us from helping the people that we're called to help because we react and we're triggered. And, you know, so she was triggered. She was feeling scared. She didn't do anything wrong. She just hadn't had anyone bring her to confront the thing that mm-hmm. hurt her back to the place mm-hmm. that hurt her. It's almost like in the movie, the shack, when they go back to the place where the wound and the scar was, you know, and God keeps on, that's a theme right now. He'll keep bringing mm-hmm. us back to the place where it happened. And so that we can have him meet us with the truth. It was even like what was standing out to me when you were talking about just like how you've had this horse since 2018 you've never had this experience. And like, I feel like that just happens in our life. Like we feel like we know something we've been around it for so long. And then this trigger just, we're like, Whoa, I didn't realize that was, this was a problem, but you were able to address it so that you could then go help. But the Lord was saying like, this is how, you know, for instance, I've had recurring dreams lately. And I feel like the Lord's talking to me and he's like, that's how I want you to confront this. Like, and I'm like, okay, I'll do my best. But like, he wants us to be healed so that we can help heal others. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just so powerful because in the midst of confronting, we're contending, right? Mm-hmm. We're, when we confront, we're contending for what matters. And as you're sharing that, I'm thinking about your, your friend and you, you're both going through something <laughs> in the same arena, right? Yeah. In the end, like you're like, okay, I'm, I see my friend and I'm also dealing with this. And both of you in completely different situations, but yet you were experiencing a measure of like this feeling of, okay, what's happening right now? You know, what's what (laughs) she's like, um, Elizabeth, (laughs) I'm down on the ground. And you're like, I know, hold on a minute, (laughs) hold up because I gotta, you know, I gotta deal with this. But you know, when we look at the situation, had you not confronted and responded to what was happening 
it could have continued to, to get worse. It, co- it goes back to that pain and power that they're not mutually exclusive, but that they, that they coexist and that there was so much beauty that came out of that for her and for you. What was your conversation like with Jenny post the horse finally getting up and you, you calming your, your little gal down and saying, yeah, we're not going to do this again. So what was, what were the conversations like after that? So it was interesting because that ministered to Jenny's heart, heart too. She was like, um, she's like, no, like I want what I saw just now, like how you confronted that in order to make her feel safe. She's like, I want that like assertiveness and Mm -hmm. aggression. And like, sometimes I think that that's a bad thing in me, but I, I realized like, it's not, there's a time and place for that. And then we talked about, I said, Jenny, I could have gotten frustrated and gotten mad and made it an even worse experience and made her trauma even worse, which most people would because, but instead I brought her to the place where she was triggered and I got off and I pet her mm-hmm. and I, and then I do it again. And so she knew it's okay. It's safe. It's okay. It's safe. It's okay. It's safe. But she could feel that we were doing something. Mm-hmm. I was like, come on. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, it wasn't necessarily comfortable for her, but it assured her. And it, and she was like, I think it did get the point across. So men, so Jenny was like, I feel like that's how the Lord wants me to to confront things and how he wants me to go after, um, the things that he's highlighting to me that he wants to make a way in my life. And I was like, okay. I was like, actually still kind of insecure. I was like, are you okay? Are you sure? Okay. That's good. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. She had gotten back on. Yeah. Like, are you ever going to get back on a horse again? Right. <laughs> yeah. She got back on and was, she was back. was Well, good. what comes to me is the, the unexpected and then also our expectations. Yeah. And I grew up, you know, and my mom and my, and my dad, both being connected to the horse world and quarter horses and just growing up hearing the terminology, horses smell fear, horses smell fear. But I think now in that situation, if we know horses smell fear, can they also smell safety? Yeah. It's like the, we as human beings, and I think about the unexpected and our expectations, you had certain expectations of your mature horse that you were putting her on. And then you had expectations of the horse that you were on and neither horse did what you expected them to do. (laughs) Boys, are we talking about horses or humans, right? (laughs) It's like the unexpected and our expectations and what we, what do we do when either of those don't work out, <laughs> right? Like unpredictable that it's life is unpredictable and how we choose to react or we choose to respond in that situation and that initial feeling. And then you were able to get a grip and rely on what you knew to do because of that, her horse was able to stand up and she was able to settle and so it, it impacts not only us, but those around us, how we choose to respond to the situation. And in the moment, like you said, you still felt some insecurity, like, are you okay? And to know that maybe we don't often consider how we respond creates that environment for others to continue to feel safe, even when it doesn't go the way we, we think it, it's supposed to go, that we just know that life does give us curveballs that we don't expect all the time, right? It seems like there's something on the daily that, that comes, that comes at us. 
And Annie, you've, you've experienced, like you were sharing earlier, you've experienced some things being in Washington just this time around and, you know, having relocated to Arizona with your family and then coming back and you and I've had conversations of just different things that you've, you've faced, just challenges, like a refining and a tempering process that you've been going through since you've been there and with your kids and, and your husband and just pain and you've experienced some really challenging things in your relationships but you, you feel like there's been so much beauty in that too. You know, we've, we've gone through some of the tears together and then just continue to come back to that place of, wow, like just the beauty that, that keeps unfolding. Is there something that you can speak to that about? Oh yeah. I think a lot of like, when we go through the hard times, it really challenges our faith that God's going to keep his promise and, um, and what we believe he's shown us and, comes down to our choice of who we're listening to and what we're believing about God and like what he can do. And I I wrote this down today because it just hit my heart. But when he made a covenant with Israel in Exodus, it took time and they didn't want to wait anymore anyways. And they, they broke their covenant with him and he wanted to wipe them all out and just start over with Moses. And um, Moses, you know, pleaded with him and, you know, talked with him and God chose faithfulness to his promise, even though, and this is the comment was, even though he knows it is going to cost him. And I think it really spoke to me because I feel like over and over in my story, I've chosen faithfulness to my promise. Even when I feel like it cost me, I know that when we're in the, the valley, like we don't want it to hurt anymore. We don't want to choose to just believe, to love and give grace and to believe that if we just keep enduring and loving them, loving whoever, you know, our, our kids, our family, our relationships, that, that it's for good. I think of like the relationship that we have with God and with our spouses and with our relationships with family and stuff like that. We break God's heart in what, in, a, in the covenant and the choices that we, we do. And yet he still chooses to love us and to give us grace and mercy. And I, I guess in all of my, my time as a wife um, and a mother and just a friend, I've always felt like the friend that continues to love and continues to believe in the best. And I think it's always felt like a weakness to do that. We see, you know, strength as someone hardening their heart and not, not letting someone treat them that way or, or do those things. And I, I just have really had like, revelations that um it's a strength for how I'm able to continue to love when I feel like there's been a broken commitment in a relationship or where someone should stand or where someone has promised they would stand and how they would love and what they would be for you in a in any kind of relationship and so I choosing to do as God would do after they broke the Israel broke the covenant with him he still stay faithful to his promise to them. We want to break, when someone breaks our hearts, we want to break covenant with them. We want to break their hearts. Mm -hmm. But when we choose to stay faithful to the promises that we've made, there's hope and there's redemption and there's restoration and and God blesses us in that. Mm, Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, the word that comes to me is resilience. There's There's a resilience that's developed in the process of that and really learning who God is, you know, his nature, his character, and him showing us who we are and what we're made of. Not only that, that we are his, but what we have 
in the process to offer someone else. And we know that through that process, we see as we heal and as we're on our journey to wholeness, the boundaries, right? That we see boundaries that come into place. And so I feel like kind of the hair stands up on the back of someone's neck. If we're just like, you know, we talk about forgiveness and, and like you're, you're offering us the story, right? With God and, and with Israel. And it's like, wait, so people that do things to me that I continue to, you know, to give to them and to love them. And yes, it does look like that. I go back to that because I feel like people's shoulders need to relax and I want them to keep breathing. It's like forgiveness doesn't mean that you remove your boundaries. You know, it may, it might mean that your relationship with that person moving forward looks a little different. It look it needs to look a little bit different, but it doesn't remove us from continuing to love, you know, and, and it may be a little bit more at a distance. God will show us and lead us through those relationships with others to know how we continue to engage moving forward. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So good. I was spending some, just some quiet time out on my, my patio today. And I, I wrote that word down cost and I have been kind of camped out in Mark uh, 135 um, through 37. And this is in the Passion Translation. And it's, it says the next morning, Jesus got up long before daylight, left the house while it was dark and made his way to a secluded place to give himself to prayer. And I've been looking at just that word blueprint, the life of Jesus and you know, I've heard so many different teachers and leaders and pastors over the years say, if Jesus did it, shouldn't we do it? <laughs> you know, like that, right? But yet you really never see um, what you, you never see in scripture, you know, Jesus hounding his followers to, you know, specifically saying, you know, get up and do this, that he models that and he does that. And I, I feel like... <laughs> I feel like Jesus is like, hopefully they're catching on <laughs> to the, to the habits and the rhythms in my life. Of course, then you see him in the garden and he's like, couldn't you tarry with me for an hour? You know, couldn't you hang with me? Couldn't you press in with me? Um, here I am at the, you know, this time in my life, I'm, I'm about to, to make the walk. I'm about to go to the, to the cross. That's my time. And can you, can you hang out, you know, hang with me for at least an hour. And I think about the life of Jesus and can we assume his nature and his habits as our own, that the connection that I make to what he did before he went to that, that place of prayer and, and pulling himself away that he knew the demands of, of his, his life and his calling. And that there was no separation. It was non-negotiable for him to, to do whatever it took. And so this morning, as I was, I was reading this again, I was just thinking that that time, I look at that time and space when it, it talks about him getting up early while it was still dark. He knew that the world around him would still be sleeping mm -hmm. and that there wasn't the constant tugging and the pulling at what he had to offer. And it just indicates that knowing when you read the scriptures and you see what he did before, and then you see in the middle of this, and that he was moving on to another assignment, scripture tells us that here he is, the word made flesh, God made flesh. So he had the, the, the 
humanity and the nature because God allowed him to go through everything. And it says without temptation. So it indicates to us that as a, as a human being yet as the perfect son of God, that he had the physical exhaustion that you look at what he was, what he had before, what he fought through to tend to his, to tend to his soul before he moved into his next assignment. And just that space that he stepped into, that he willingly got up, that he chose, right? Like say Jesus is the master of soul care, like looking at his life and knowing what he knew he needed to do in his prayer and his, in his sacred time. So I just thought, let it cost me. And you just use that word cost, Annie, and just like whatever it costs me, like whatever the price yeah. is. And we don't need to fear exhaustion. Mm-hmm. We don't need, we don't need to fear that rather. I feel like it's an invitation when we feel that it's as a human being, you know, our humanity, our humanness, however you want to describe it, rather look at it as an invitation from God to step into a space with him to care for our soul. Like if we run to the doctor, if we go to, you know, whatever we remedy we need for how we're the ailment or whatever we're feeling in our physical body, can we run to him in that space mm-hmm. and address the exhaustion through rest and through peace and joy? to regain our strength for the next leg of our journey. Uh-huh. That's so good. Yeah. I feel like, um, so I think this ties in and I feel like the Lord, well, in the last three or last couple days, three or four times I've heard guard your heart. Mm. Um, and what yeah, I-, I heard that on the way, on the way here. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> Because you're connected. <laughs> yeah. so, um, but what that I think is speaking to me is that when I don't guard my heart, things come in and distract me and take me out of first love, that first love, sacred place, alone time, focused time. Um, and things come in and they don't necessarily seem bad, mm. but if they take my affections or pull my affections slightly off of where they're supposed to be, you know, a certain degree, slowly but surely, I get out of sync of with where my, my affections should be, where my time should be spent, where I should be running first. And I think that that's even through my dreams that the Lord's been giving me, he's saying, guard your heart Mm -hmm. and keep me at the forefront, keep running to me, keep the time space. So, so that you deepen your roots in that quiet, sacred place. And you establish that being a normal place of living and abiding. And, you know, because I feel like, yeah, the Lord's with me all day long, but I know that he wants to bring me deeper. I know that it's not just having a stint of amazing encounters and intimacy with him. It's like, make that your daily habit. And that's what I've asked women that are more spiritually mature than I am. I'm like, you know, like when you are like doing a fast and you have like these incredible encounters and then you're not, and you're like, I want that, but how do you sustain that? And they're just like, you keep practicing, like you Mm -hmm. keep going there and keep doing it. And 
And then it becomes like your normal because once you've tasted that, you don't want anything else, Mm -hmm. but it's learning how to stay there. And so that's honestly, transparently where I'm at is I want to be in that space all the time, but I've only had like, like I've fasted to get there and spent time in prayer being prompted by fasting. And I'm like, how, what does that look like? I want like a blueprint, but I know that the Lord has to draw me with his love at his like Juliet told me the other day, she was like, his presence is your plan because I always want like, what do I need to do? His presence is your plan. Well, what if it's that simple? What if going to his presence, running to him is how he's wanting me to guard my heart? You know what I mean? So I'm just like, he's so faithful and confirming like God guard your heart. No one else can guard my heart. I can't tell people, oh, I'm supposed to be guarding my heart right now. Mm-hmm. Please respect that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> people. I love that. <laughs> like, right. and God wants to care about your heart. I'm preaching to myself. Sorry. No, that's good. I was actually just having this conversation. I think it's in the same light, but um, I was telling my husband that, you know, a lot of people go away to vacation to enjoy life and then they come back and they're like they're in the darkness of like oh this is my life and I need to go away to enjoy I need to go away to like be happy and content and I'm like but what are you doing on the daily basis like how are you being happy and content every single day you can be in paradise in your heart every single day with what you appreciate you don't have to go away in order to to be there God is with us in us and it's like even, you know, he left and made him, uh, made his way to a secluded place to give himself to prayer. And I just think about there's times where we go into that place to be filled up so that we can go out. But it is the daily stuff of what we're doing and how we're bringing him with us into life rather than needing to go there to be to be like doing our mission. It's like we are filled up there and we need to come out and continually do it every single day and find the joy and find the paradise with him and every single day in art, because that's what, that's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to run away to find it, to find our, our joy and happiness and, and live there. We're supposed, we're here in this world to bring Jesus to the world, to touch the world. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. Both of you, what you, what you've said, it's just, it's so powerful because it is, I was just sharing at a a leadership brunch this last weekend is that, yes, I have my physical place within my home or, or spaces that I love to, you know, to go to. I love beautiful environments. I'm sure like most humans, but I do have spots within my physical home that, that I enjoy. But when we look at Psalm 91 and that word in the in Psalm 91, one, and it says he who dwells, that, that that word dwell means to remain. The word that one of you just used, abiding, that word abiding, dwelling, remaining, that it's a that it's a place on the inside. I look at that like with the spirit of God in my own spirit, like a revolving door that I'm communing, that I'm that I'm having conversation, that I'm abiding throughout the day, because we know that in this life, just sitting in one spot 24 <laughs> seven uh, is, is from in my life is, is not practical, right? That's not going to happen. So when he's, when he's inviting us to step into that space of, of dwelling of remaining that it's us creating and nurturing and creating this culture in our life of communing, of having that conversation that 
daily dialogue that's ongoing. I think about someone being in a situation where they're like, hold on just a minute. Let me go to my secret place. Let me go pray. And then I'll come back. (laughs) You know, no, it's like, God wants us to know that in those moments, he's right there. He's on the inside of us. That when we are walking with him and communing with him, just as what both of you are describing, he's there. He's ever present in our, in our daily life. And, and like Jesus, he, he models for us. There are those times when we, when we are intentional every day to draw away, to mm-hmm. have that seclusion. And that, that is essential is seclusion is no distractions. There's enough of that all day long, 24 seven, right? That we have just tugging at us and pulling at us for our attention. And that the, the, the plot and the plan of the enemy of our soul is to exhaust us. Is, is so that we have so much exhaustion that we feel like we have nothing, nothing left to give uh, to ourselves or to those that are, that are around us. And, and I want to touch on here in just a, a minute about those imposters in our lives and, and, and what that looks like when we continue to give into that. And something I, I love the description that um, Stacy Eldridge shared when I attended Captivating in 2016 at her retreat she calls them false lovers mm. that what we give ourselves to those false lovers in our, in our lives that it appears that it's the thing. Yeah. And it's the thing. And so we, we leave that space still exhausted, maybe, maybe more than we felt before. And Elizabeth, the, what you touched on earlier is I wanted to actually read this in the passion translation in Proverbs, the, what you were quoting the scripture in Proverbs 4.23, and it says, so above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. And in the footnotes, Pastor Brian Simmons elaborates, and it says that this includes our thoughts, our will, our discernment, and our affection. So when we look at that word heart, that's that unpacking that, that's what God has put within us is that it's our thoughts, our will, not our physical muscle, right? But it includes our thoughts, our will, our just our discernment and our affections. So when we look at each aspect of our heart, and what God has created us with, that we can see different things that that pull to exhaust us and to derail us from being able to do everything that that God has has called us to do. So I, I love it. I love that what you shared about that, Elizabeth. That's so good. Is I was gonna like to, on just speaking to anyone listening, mothers or. Um, when you were saying, you know, getting into that space before you go out and get pulled on, but it was like, Jesus, it was saying that in that verse you're talking about, he went away to that secret secluded place for prayer. And then Simon came and was like, everyone's looking for you. Like, yeah, it's, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like in the, I, I was thinking in the bathroom, right? What, Hey, what are you <laughs> in there? What do you think I'm doing in here? <laughs> um, talking about the revolving door. So I've been had, I've been having this vision. We talked about like what it looks like to actually 
your rest in your identity of a daughter of the most high king and what that would look like and like the food you would eat and like it would only be the best and you'd have a cook and it would serve you you know they'd serve you balanced meals and the people that could come in would be briefed by the king's people before they'd be allowed to talk to you you know what I mean because you have standards but I was just thinking about how you had this like example this word picture of abiding and a revolving door and you're like I'm going out to tend to this and I'm coming back in to talk to my dad I'm going out and I'm coming back to talk to my dad and I just thought of me as a little girl and I feel like a listener needs to hear this um I didn't come from a very well connected family relationally like we would all do our own things there was no one looking to connect with me in the home and whenever I went to go talk to my dad I'd feel like I would be like worried that I was interrupting or bothering him, although I longed for that. And I just want to say that like our heavenly father is always available. And even if you have to run and knock on his door and open the door, be like, dad, <laughs> you know, <laughs> over and over again, he doesn't get irritated. <laughs> he wants that. He wants that relational connection with you. And he has all the time that, um, that you need and love that you need. And so for me, I think that feels very unnatural and that that's something that he wants me to practice and get comfortable with. Yeah. Um, because as a, like thinking of a princess running to the King's chamber, be like, Dad! Dad! <laughs> I love that. It's so good. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I just wanted to say that, that yeah. it's diff- he's different than an earthly father. Yeah. Whereas an earthly dad might go, what? <laughs> Yeah. It's like my kids are my kids may say, Mom, mom, mother, yeah. mommy, Juliet. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Why we respond to our actual name, right? <laughs> and I think about and I always always laugh in those moments because I'm I, when I observe this happening with other parents, I, I was at uh, I was having coffee with my oldest. Uh, daughter a few a few weeks ago and this mom was chasing she had three sons and she was she was attempting to have conversation with her girlfriends that she had met who also had kids and and one of her sons was was being really rambunctious and she came over to me and and she she leaned over the rail and she said I am so sorry y'all probably can't even hear each other because my kids are so loud and I said Oh, I said, I said, actually, I said, I have two sons. I said, and they were, you know, of course they were their age once and now they're, you know, almost both adults. And I said, I I was just enjoying the view. (laughs) She said, oh, thanks a lot. (laughs) You know, but I just think just different seasons of our lives and it goes back back to our relationship with, with God. And just as we grow and as we mature, and just that the transition that happens of we we never we never stop being a child of God. Mm-hmm. Yet God invites us into a process of maturing, like He shares with us in Galatians and in Romans eight about maturing. And and He talks about He makes the connection for us the maturity as a son and a daughter. And so we never stop being children. Yet he calls us into, into a life of maturing as a son and a daughter of God. And everything that we've shared, it leads us to one thing, and that's in mm-hmm. everything that you're describing and I'm describing and 
confronting, contending, the expectations, the unexpected, you know, the tempering process, the process and the process. <laughs> I find that so many people are just like, do you have to use that word? Do you have to say the word process? Although we know that we're all in process, right? And it's like, I think about the connection we make as human beings with the word process is work. Yeah. It's work, right? That we're tending on the other side of all of that continuously for the rest of our lives is that if we choose, if we choose to step into that space of communing, if we choose to step into the place of dialoguing and seclusion, we choose those moments. And Annie, you, you referencing cost when, when it costs us something on the other side of that, the peace of God and mm. the joy that comes, the joy that floods our soul, the, the strength to continue on another day that, that we continue. And I just wanted to read a little section in Brennan Manning's book, Abba's Child. And his subtitle is The Cry of the Heart for Intimate Belonging. And so this is one of the paragraphs in his book. And it says, the sad irony is that the imposter cannot experience intimacy in any relationship. His narcissism excludes others incapable of intimacy with self and out of touch with his feelings, intuitions, and insight. The imposter is insensitive to the moods, needs, and dreams of others. Reciprocal sharing is impossible. The imposter has built life around achievements, success, busyness, and self-centered activities that bring gratification and praise from others. James Masterson, MD, stated, it is the nature of the false self to save us from knowing the truth about our real selves, from penetrating the deeper causes of our unhappiness, from seeing ourselves as we really are, vulnerable, afraid, terrified, and unable to let our real selves emerge. Mm -hmm. And that's what God is after. And I, I look at those moments like you shared, Elizabeth, as Proverbs describes for us, like above all, above all, he says, guard this. And as I, as I was reading this this morning and looking at that moment of seclusion and what Jesus fought through, knowing that when you look at the life of Jesus, you see his prevention measures. You see how he prevents caving yeah. under the exhaustion. Sorry. And I think about, you know, he wasn't surprised that they were like, hey, where have you been? <laughs> we've been looking for you. We, we have another mission. Jesus knew he had another leg of his journey to go on. He knew what was coming. That, that didn't take him by surprise. And he's like, hang on. Mm -hmm. I had to go do this. Yet he doesn't tell them. He just says, let's, let's go, you know, let's, let's move on in the, in the midst of God's telling us above all do this, that he knows that on the other side of that, that if we will do that, if we will tend to, to that in our soul and above all guarding, then it leaves less room for the imposters to take precedence in our lives and to be, begin to define our true self, right? That our nature, our nature may be to give into those imposters if we're not doing what Proverbs 4.23 says to do. Mm -hmm.
So it's like God's, God is inviting us to, you know, not just to avoid that, but to actually not cave under the pressure of life. Yeah. Life is going to keep coming at us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it doesn't mean we're always going to get this right. <laughs> God knows. God does know. Literally, I don't. We don't as human beings. His grace covers us. Yeah. And one thing that's like stuck out to me about that scripture was like, I think that Jesus loves, like loved helping people. Like I like helping baby animals, just to plug there. (laughs) And I think that he knew that his people that he loved helping and loved being with were going to be looking for him, but he had to go away anyways Mm -hmm. to keep his priorities the way he And I think that that was probably, you know, in humanness, it's probably hard to do that and be like, I know that they need me, but I need to first be alone with the Lord and be in that, that secret place with him. And so I think that that's just a really good example of guarding his own heart and keeping himself set apart for the Lord and his affections first and foremost to commune with his heavenly father. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Elizabeth, that's, it's, that's so good and so powerful because it's true. I mean, it's the same analogy, you know, put your oxygen mask on like the flight attendant tells you to do before you go help someone else. And Mm -hmm. that Jesus knew. And just like what you're sharing, like he knew that people needed him. And so how much more did he need to go commune with the father and have that and have that time and nourishment for his own, for his own soul so that he could, so they could keep giving, you know, that when we do that, we can continue to, be more and give more and do more. And Amen. It, really does, it really does create a rhythm in our lives to continue to be what we can be for those that are around us. It just, it, it makes us better. You see differently. Like yeah. it's not the same, but like when we went to Arizona, we grew in a different way with God. And then we came back, we saw Washington so differently in such a different light. And it's like, we saw the beauty of it, the, like the gratitude, the, but it's like, when you go away and you come back, you can see it's, you're not like flooded and like looking down and everything's heavy because you just keep trekking through. It's like, when you go away, you're refreshed to come back to see yeah. what God has done and like what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you just see differently when you're able to do that. You're refreshed. Mm-hmm. I love this time together, you guys, because I get so many like, like no from the Lord in my mind, and I'm like, mm, mm. like it's yeah. so true. It's it's so true, and this must be like the the real like iron sharpens iron. Yeah, I'm like, whoa, I need to write down. <laughs> Your head just looks like a big light bulb. <laughs> We're just big light bulbs sitting here together. Ding, ding, ding. No, I mean, it's so, you know, it's, it seems like, are we talking about this again? You know, soul care again. I feel like people are like, Juliet, do you talk about anything else? And I'm like, no, because we just get so freaking covered up by life and exhaustion and overwhelm. And you look at David, I always go back to the scripture and in Psalm 61 and 62, that King David said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me, lead me to the rock that's higher than myself. Like 
David was like, please, God, like put my, like, can I please just put my hand on something to pull me out of the overwhelm? And, you know, you, you look at the life of David and, you know, his, as many would describe, he's got a sketchy past, but, you know, you look at David and he's, it says, you know, like, think, man, he's so dramatic, but then you look at the pain in his life and you, and you look at the choices he had made and then the results of those choices and, and how he kept fighting through and soaking his pillow and God, I'm nothing but bones. And, you know, you just see the cry of his heart. And as human beings, someone could look at David and go, oh, he's so dramatic. But then I think, yeah, we're in good company because what we go through and the pain in our lives is so hard. And when it's happening, it seems like, and feels like it's going to last forever. You know, the, the nights feel really, really dark. Yeah. And that he tells us that joy comes in the morning. And so it's kind of like, how early can I get up? <laughs> how early, how early can I, can I rise? Because I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready for that joy that you promised me that comes in the morning, you know, like, okay, it's, it's one Oh one. Can I get up now? <laughs> Um, in conclusion of everything that we've shared, I, I just looked down at, at Proverbs four again at verse 25. And it says, set your gaze on the path before you with mm-hmm. fixed purpose, looking straight ahead. Interesting. We keep saying distractions and exhaustion. It says, ignore life's distractions. Watch where you're going, stick to the path of truth and the road will be safe and smooth before you don't allow yourself to be sidetracked for even a moment or take the detour that leads to darkness. Mm -hmm. You know, Proverbs, the book of wisdom, set your gaze, set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose. It takes intention. Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot lately. And the first person I heard say this was uh, my pastor, Erwin McManus is that it doesn't get easier we get stronger. And I've heard that, you know, I don't know if it originated with him, but I've heard a few people say that the last couple of weeks, I I would love to look at someone else and say, especially my children, I'd love to tell them and give them the guarantee that life gets easier. But the reality is I believe we can choose to set our gaze so that we can become stronger through what you touched on Elizabeth guarding our heart above all else, guarding, guarding our heart, going back to that place of shutting out the distractions, drawing ourselves to the seclusion and, and dialoguing, you know, from that place, moving forward just day to day through life, knowing that we're dwelling and abiding, communing with God and fighting through the expectations when those fail. And that doesn't come through the way we think. And we're like, my horse just fell down. my horse just fell down or my leg is bouncing on the back of the horse and I'm half up, half down. You know, it's like, man, I mean, Elizabeth, goodness, if you didn't describe life happening in that arena, I mean, that, that literally a depiction of what life feels like. And sometimes we feel like we're both, we have that trigger. And then we think about our horse falling down and just the expectations that we have and being able to you know, how we come out of that is being able to pause and take a deep breath and know that God is faithful Mm -hmm. and 
to lean into those that he's put around us. The just like you said, iron sharpens iron, and we sharpen one another to lean into the village, to lean into those that are around us. You know, it could be for those that are listening that maybe this podcast, maybe this episode is the beginning of feeling like a village, right? Mm-hmm. Of, of being, if we can be a, a voice of truth in your life today. And so grateful. Thank you both for connecting today and just hanging out. I love you both so much. Y'all know that, but I just got to say it for our listeners. (laughs) Uh, Is there anything, any final thoughts that either of you beautiful souls want to share? I would just say like that. I think the enemy wants to tempt us with the fear of missing out and that if we wait and abide, then the promise won't be there. And that's just the biggest lie. And I think that even what you shared about, you know, the Israelites and the wilderness and, um, not waiting, not waiting in faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Well, I want, when I wrote my little, I, um, I'm sorry for, to, to a little Elizabeth, yeah. little girl version of me. I said, I'm sorry for rushing mm-hmm. to the end result rather than trusting that I was worth waiting for. So good. And I think that, um, I just want to say that you're worth waiting for your weight worth the trust process and that God will keep his promises with your faith and he's faithful so love that yeah I think just kind of going back to the beginning story of the horse um how we confront the triggers and the things in our life like Juliet was saying shows us how we're contending for it and if you're not confronting it you're not contending for it you're not fighting for what you you care about you're not fighting for the heart that needs saving or anything. So I think just how we confront in confidence with how God is shown, um, will win the war that we're contending for. Um, and so by being filled up with him will give us the confidence to confront, um, the enemy that's trying to destroy souls, hearts, relationships. And so, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And you're so capable. You are a warrior you are, you're able to stand up, even if you're flat on your face, stand up on the inside and confront and contend and know that on the other side of that is what you're longing for. And that resistance that, that we all feel in that moment, we have a choice to make. We have a decision in that moment to say, if I do this, if I pivot and I do this, then the tide of this battle has to turn. And it's a process and it may not be quick or easy, but as we referenced earlier, you will continue to get stronger. One of my favorite artists, Morgan Harper Nichols says, your story of resilience will stir up hope in others. So we know that we're sharing a little bit about our stories today and just daily life. In Hebrews 10, 23, it says, so now wrap your heart tightly around the hope that lives within us knowing that God always keeps his promises. And I have rested in that scripture so many times because that is, that is many times all I feel is just the hope that God gives me because it looks so hopeless around me. But when we can allow that to become the anchor in our lives, that we can wrap our heart, just like what we make the connect the dot to Proverbs 4.23, not our physical muscle, but our heart 
our mind, will, emotions, discernment, our thoughts, that when we wrap all of that around the hope that lives within us, mm-hmm. we can know and we can develop that, that faith and that trust that God will come through for us. So we hope that you feel loved and encouraged by what we've shared today. Thank you both for, for being on. And thank you for, I just have to give a little plug. My book, my release is on August 30th, but you can pre-order and Annie and Elizabeth have both downloaded the audio version and they send me precious yep. text messages that are like, oh my gosh, this is so good. <laughs> and I love it. It means so much to me that both of you, now we've been in a relationship for quite a few years now. And it's such an honor to know that you're both listening and giving me feedback. So it's amazing. Um, yeah. The one you're saying cost reminded me of the quote that you were, I was listening to in your book that says like, what, what if, what will it cost me if I do? And what will it cost me if I don't? Yes. Yes. Thank you both. I probably ask myself that question on the daily because it, yep. it's a, it's a warrior stance that, that we take on and we have, you know, we're making decisions all day long and that cost us something. Even, even if we think it's small, that it could just be that we ignore that little nudge that says, Hey, send Elizabeth a text message. Or, you know, again, it's just, a reminder that we need people and people need us and it just it's pausing it's pausing to to just let that person know that they're seen and that they're loved and and heard um that when we're in pain we're like god can you feel me can you hear me do you see me and how he works through through us as individuals to let others know and to stir that hope up in them to say hey God, God sees you. I love you both so much. Thank you again for yeah, thank for you for having me. Um, yeah. Can't wait to talk. <laughs> thank you again. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into Yellow Soul today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, and you feel refreshed, inspired, and empowered to share your story of resilience with others. Make sure you subscribe so you're the first to know when new episodes are released. I absolutely adore reading your reviews and seeing how this podcast is empowering your life. So if you haven't yet, it would mean the world to me for you to write one. It reminds me that we are all here for the greater good. And please share with me topics that you would like to hear more about. Also, I would love to hear from you on Instagram. You can find me at Juliet Marhofer Duggar where I have so much fun posting your reviews to stir up hope in another soul. Thanks again for holding space for this conversation today and sharing it with your girlfriends. Together, we are inspiring others to begin their own yellow soul dialogue. Cheers, friend. I cannot wait to chat again soon.